Hi, this is Sam Chan, and welcome to the Sam Chan Leadership Podcast. It is my honor to serve you, help you achieve your dreams. Let's do this together. I'm going to talk about now and next. Now and next. So when uh, this uh, COVID-19 hit the shores of the United States, we really didn't think it's going to be a whole lot. You know, there was somebody in Washington State, maybe another person in California, maybe one more in New York. It was like, yeah, you know, but it is there. But now all these months and deaths later, uh, we are in a position in which we have to ask ourselves, what's now and what's next? Because now is always about next. So while we talk about next, that is very, very cool. But your now determines your next. Your today determines your tomorrow. You're going to have tomorrow more of today. As simple as that. So that, that doesn't sound very profound or very philosophical. But tomorrow is going to be just more of today. So today is what matters. Now and next. And during this time, I've had the amazing honor and opportunity of talking to leaders all over the world. Uh, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, Nigeria, Brazil. Uh, United States, Canada, uh, uh, United Kingdom. I've, I've had conversations, France, uh, Paris, everywhere. And I've had these conversations with leaders. And I started noticing something very familiar, maybe about three weeks ago, could be as far as four weeks, but definitely three weeks ago. I started seeing people who, when all this happened, became pioneers overnight. And then because it has gone on for a few weeks, now the question is, when we get back, when we renew, when we reopen, when we relaunch, uh, when things get back to the new normal. And I've seen people who became pioneers become settlers. I'm seeing that in the last three weeks especially. Conversations have shifted with the same leaders all over the world. So I'm not just talking about uh, Virginia, United States. I'm talking about this is a global conversation that I can point you to literally hundreds of conversations I've had over the phone and over FaceTime and WhatsApp and all those kind of things. And, and I'm finding out that this pioneering moment is slipping away from us as we are yearning to get back to something like normal. We all read in our history books, the, the people who went out west, you know, the, the, the go west young man, go west. Yeah, we remember the names of Lewis and Clark, Lewis and Clark. And, and they were great explorers. They went around different bends and different mountains and different rivers, but they were explorers. They were not settlers. They were pioneers. They were not settlers. And there's something within all of us that we start to settle. And I want to say to every leader who's leading a team right now, and if you are on a team, do not become a settler. During this time, God gave you a new insight into your own psyche, a new insight into how you think yourself, and the possibilities and the opportunities and the advantages in the middle of adversity. So, so don't, don't let your brain go back to your default setting, but because human nature is, human nature is, we are always looking for the familiar. Human nature is that we all want to settle down to how things were and become comfortable again and make comfortable. As soon as you become comfortable, you become mediocre. As soon as you become comfortable, you stop growing. As soon as you become comfortable, you stop, you become stagnant. 
comfort is not what we are looking for. So keep a pioneering mentality. I want to start that with our conversation today because in now and next, the next, if you become a settler, then you're not thinking new thoughts. You're not being innovative. You're not being entrepreneurial. You, 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 your settlers have a question says, what is? They're defined reality. But pioneers ask a different question, which is what if? What if we do that? And, and, and they let their curiosity and they let their imagination and they let their possibilities lead the way. They let life lead the way rather than trying to control life into a small box and trying to make it happen according to what we used to do. If you're a church, I need to remind you, you'll never go back to the same church you left. If you're a business, I want to remind you, you will never reopen to what your realities used to be. If you're an executive in leadership in, uh, in government or in the private sector or the social sector, doesn't matter who you are, where you are, you are not going to go back to that. So just get your head in the space of saying, I have tasted what it means to be a pioneer and I'm going to go there. So I want to give you the five steps that happen in the middle of a crisis. You ready? They all start with the letter P like in Paul. Uh, I thought I'd throw that in for all the preacher friends that are on here <laughs> because, you know, you know how we like to do things with all D's and all C's. This is all P's, five of them. I'm going to say to them twice so that you can write them down if you want to. And of course, all the RLN members, you have your own login so you can listen to this again. You can watch this again and you can take it all in again. Number one, pivot, P-I-V-O-T, pivot. Number two is preparation. Number three is planning. Number four is pause. And number five is proceed. Let me give this to you again. Number one, pivot. Number two, preparation. Number three, planning. Number four, pause. Number five, proceed. Let me say a few things about each one of them. And then I want to spend the bulk of my time on number two and number three. I want to spend the bulk of my time on preparation and planning. Let's talk about pivot. A pivot is when all of a sudden you get that phone call, you get that announcement, you get that email, and your options get taken away and you have to pivot. Uh, imagine for a moment you're in the airport and you are at gate number two waiting to board your flight. And the gate agent comes on and says, uh, sorry to disturb you and inconvenience you, but your gate has been changed from number two to number 27. Now, everybody moans and groans and, uh, but everybody picks up their suitcase or whatever you, luggage you have and you pivot to gate number 27. You don't stay at number two. You don't try to complain and, and try to uh, convince them that my flight should go out number two. No, as soon as you get the information, you pivot. So when all of this happened, businesses pivoted, churches pivoted. We all went online. Uh, we all became multi-site. We started marketing in a different way. Everything shifted. You pivoted in the moment. I want to say to you, don't wait for the big thing to happen before you pivot. Those small things that you notice, don't put them away, be pivoting. Number two is preparation. Number three is planning. I'm gonna come back to that. 
Number four is pause, pause, pause. I think that's where all businesses are. That's where corporate is. That's where church is. That's where leaders are. We are in a pause moment. A pause moment says my environment is shifting, but I'm not in control of the shifting environment. So I've got to just sit back a little bit and pause. There is no rush. So I will pause. And finally, it is proceed. Proceed means now you are going in the direction that you determined at the last stages of pause. But I want to spend my time talking about preparation and planning. There's a difference between the two. The questions are different. For example, uh, when people ask the question, what will church look like? What will businesses look like? What will executive leadership look like? That's a planning question. That's a planning question. But if you're asking, what should I be doing now to get ready for the next? That is a preparation question. There's a difference in planning and preparation. For example, uh, if I was to open your suitcase, you're traveling somewhere, and I opened your suitcase, and I saw in there a T-shirt and shorts and flip-flops, I know, I don't know exactly where you're going, but I know you're going to a warm climate simply by what's in your suitcase. Or if I was to open your suitcase, and in there I see a, a cap and a scarf and gloves and big jacket, I don't know exactly where you're going, but I know that you're preparing to go to a cold place. What's in your suitcase tells me what you are prepared for. Now, planning would be what hotel you're going to stay at, what sites you're going to take in, what food you're going to eat there, who you're going to visit there. I mean, that's the planning component of it. What time your flight is going to be, which airport you're going to fly into, all that is planning. But preparation is in your suitcase. Because you see, you don't prepare, you don't, you don't pack your suitcase for where you've been. You don't pack your suitcase for where you are. You pack for your suitcase for where you are going. So if I was to open your business suitcase, your corporate suitcase, your executive leadership suitcase, your church leadership suitcase, your pastoring suitcase, what is in your suitcase that will tell me that you're preparing, not planning, preparing for where you're going? Let me give you one more example to give you a difference between planning and preparation. So when uh, Bishop Greer's office contacted my office about being on this call with you all, by the way, I'm honored to be on this call, when, when, when I received that information, I started planning. So you asked me, Sam, how long did it take you to plan for what you're gonna teach us today? Uh, I think about two and a half to three hours of planning. So you asked me, so Sam, how long did it take you to prepare for this teaching? 40 years. You know the difference now? Planning is, trying to get my ideas and sequence. That's planning. Preparation is a lifetime. So to come up with the five Ps, just a few hours. But the content behind that and the thinking behind that. So, so for example, if you're a preacher, if, you, if you're a pastor and you preach, and someone come, walks up to you and says to you, Bishop Greer, that was an amazing message. How long did it take you to plan that? Oh, about 10, 12 hours. How long did it take you to prepare that? 
well, about 25 years. That's the difference between planning and preparation. So let me give you a few things that you can be planning for. For example, you have to plan for technology in everything that you do. Everything that you do has to have a technology component too. That means if you're in business, uh, you're in church, doesn't matter where you are, because I know on this call, there are business leaders, there are church leaders, there are corporate leaders, there are executive leaders, there are governmental leaders. Uh, there are people who are in two or three different segments at the same time. So I'm trying to give you illustrations from all of those walks of life. So doesn't matter what you do, you've got to embed technology into it. Every, every organization is not going to be a hybrid organization. You'll be in person and online. Everything you do at your church, for example, has to have an online component. If you're going to do a ladies ministry it can, in, on your campus, you've got to have that going out online. You're going to do youth, it's going to be online. It's going to be ch children, you can do children in person, it's got to be online as well. If you think that you're going to pull back on online, you're giving up market share. May I use that word in church environment? You're going to lose market share because you have gained new clients. You have gained new customers. You, you have gained hundreds of people who had never heard about grace before. And why would you want to lose them? Why don't you want to lean into them? Because there's a reason why they keep coming back to you. There's a reason they keep coming back to your business. So embed technology into Number two is never assume that your people are going to come back. Don't assume your people are going to come back to your business, to your church, to your offices, because now people have been exposed. Let me use a church example here. You know how, how when people drive to your church and they drive by this cool church on the right-hand side, they pass by that church and they wonder, you know, what's that church like? And I wonder what that is all about. And now guess what? Your church members are attending that church. Most people are attending two, three churches every weekend. Some are attending more than that. And it's not that they are attending that. They are sending their money there because wherever the value is, they are putting the money there. And so you are picking up money, new money. Other churches are picking up new money. You're picking up new people. Other churches are picking up new people. So for you to assume that my people are going to come back is not true. It's not true. You're going to lose. You're also going to gain. That is part of the plan. So if you're planning only for those who were coming before all this happened, then you're going to miss out on the new clients. Most churches I'm talking to about right now have gained, have gained at least 25, maybe 35% of new viewers, new people. So if you're going to just plan your opening, grand opening, reopening, relaunch, recharge, whatever you want to call that, if you're going to do all of that based on your previous customers, previous clients, previous members, you're missing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that is where when you do planning with church staffs, you got to be careful because church staffs are thinking about church, about the people who are already in the list, people who are already part of the, of the process there. Let me talk a little bit about decision-making. Decision-making. Uh, decision-making has totally shifted during this time. I'm still on the planning. I'm going to get to preparation in just a moment. 
decision making is number one faster. Remember when you used to say, I'm going to have my, uh, my executive meeting next month, we're going to talk about that. Remember the time you used to say things like, well, you know, my, uh, my, my team and I are going to be meeting two weeks from now. <laughs> All that changed. You were making decisions in real time. I'm talking about you are making decisions while you are on the air. You are just going at it. So decisions will be faster. Number two is there'll be different people involved in the decision-making. There'll be different people involved in the decision-making. So, so, okay, give me an example. Remember the time when you when you're, uh, used to make decisions up here uh, with your executive team, with your elders, trustees, deacons, with your uh, vice presidents, with your supervisors, you make the decision here. And down here were your media people, your graphics people, the, the, the people who, the minions. <laughs> and so you made the decision here and you would tell them, you would tell them, this is what I want you to do. <laughs> All that has shifted, hasn't it? Now, these people who were not in your meetings are the people sitting closest to you. And you're not telling them what to do. You are saying, can we do this? Yeah. You're asking permission? Mm -hmm. Decision making and decision makers have totally shifted, have totally changed. And the other thing that you have to remember in during these times, and even when we're going to the, the next, is you, you can only control your decision. You do not control the responses of the people to your decision. Let me say just one more thing about planning, then I want to delve into uh, into uh, preparation. Your organizational structures have to shift. Let me give you a few, few things to write down if you want to under that. Things that you need to consider, take inventory of, and maybe redo. Your administration, number one. Your meetings, the frequency of your meetings, who's in the meetings, outcomes of the meetings. Uh, your decision-making has to shift. Your communication. This is what I'm, going to, I'm finding out. For corporations, for churches, what, they, what I'm finding leaders doing is they're doing fewer things, but doing them better. They're doing fewer things, but doing that better. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in just a moment under preparation. They're doing fewer things, but doing that better. Uh, I said to you, that's the last thing I want to say about planning, but let me give you one more. Your communication has shifted. How you communicate, who you communicate with, how often you communicate with them, who's the communication loop. Uh, because you see, crisis accelerates change and change accelerates conflict. Let me say that again. Crisis accelerates change. And change accelerates conflict. But much of that can be mitigated by having a communication strategy. So let me just do 30 seconds on that and dump, jump into preparation. So if you could, if you're writing this or how are you doing this, if you could just draw a pyramid, if you can just, just draw a pyramid on a piece of scrap of paper or your iPad or whatever you're doing this thing, if you could just draw a pyramid and you, sli you do horizontal slices of that pyramid, and at the bottom, 
the, the biggest slice at the bottom, let's call them church members, let's call them uh, uh, clients, let's call them customers, let, let's go there. And at the top, at the very top, would be the CEO, the executive director, the pastor, the bishop, that the point of the, that the at the top point. And the, right under that is probably your executive team, your administrative team, your vice presidents, your supervisors who get together to make decisions. That's the first segment, the first slice. Then the next slice, you have a different name there. And the next slice, there may be staff, for example, maybe your board, for example, and the next slice and the next slice and the next slice. So you have four, five, six, seven. Let's just say you got seven slices in that pyramid of how your organization is configured in a pecking order. Every organization has a pecking order. So don't, don't, don't kid yourself on that. So there you are, you have a pecking order. You have to, here are the two words. You have to cascade communication. You have to cascade communication. That means it has to come down in that order. Because if somebody in slice number, in the segment, the fifth segment, in segment number five, if somebody in segment number five finds out about something before somebody in segment number three, you have created a self-inflicted wound. Have a cascading communication strategy. So with that in mind, let me go into preparation. Under preparation, let me talk about two opportunities. One is leadership opportunity, and the other is programming opportunity. Leadership opportunity and programming opportunity. Let me talk about both of those. Leadership opportunity. During crisis, I've asked this question of most people I've spoken to, and here's my question. Who are the new leaders that have arisen during this time? Who have emerged? Who have percolated? People that were not on your radar, people were not on your list, people that you did not consider, these new leaders are emerging. And let me tell you about these new leaders. Let me give the profile of these new leaders. They're not looking for title. They're not looking for a position. They're not looking for a salary. They are just solution-oriented, entrepreneurial, innovative, full of ideas. They are the what-if people, not the what-is people. Because what if people will maintain the status quo? What if people will take you into your next? Your now is what is. Your next is what if. Two totally different things. And, and I, am, I am encouraging leaders all over the world in every sector to say, the leaders that are rising during this time are your future leaders. They may not look like the leader you want them to be. They're not as wise as you want them to be. They're not as knowledgeable as you want them to be. They don't have your full culture and vision and mission and core values. They may not embody all of that because no leader shows up looking like they need to look, look like. You know, I look at a, almost 68 years of age. I'm a different looking leader. I'm talking about the persona than I was when I started back in 1973. Totally different. So no leader comes packaged looking like they should look. So there are three things that you need to do with these emerging leaders, three things. Discover, develop, deploy. Discover, develop, deploy. Discover, develop, deploy. One more time. Discover, develop, deploy. So you're discovering the new leaders. 
And can I talk to all the established leaders right now? If you are on a church staff, if you are elders, deacons, trustees, if you are on a corporate staff and you are a vice president, a supervisor, you, you are in some kind of decision-making capacity, do not keep new leaders off the radar. Do not keep them down. Do not beat them down. Do not be judging them. Do not throw shade on them. Pick them up. Discover them. Develop them. Deploy them. Because if you're doing that, you're a very insecure leader. You are threatened that somebody else might be in your territory, might think higher than you, has greater possibilities, has more solutions, has, is more innovative, have better ideas. Don't be like that. Don't be an insecure leader. You discover, you develop, you deploy. Let me talk about deploy, development deployment. You may not be able to go wide in your leadership right now, but you can go deep in your leadership. So all the leaders I'm talking to right now, I'm encouraging them to say, this is a time to pour into your emerging new leaders, the vision, the core values, the culture, the future, your imagination. This is a time to go deep into somebody and say to them, this is not what we do, this is who we are. And development is not about what somebody does, development is about who they are. Develop the person and then you'll be ready to deploy them. You can start deploying them now. You don't have to wait till after whatever you proceed, but you can start deploying them into safer categories right now. Finally, I'm gonna to talk to you about the opportunities in programming. There are four questions every organization needs to be asking themselves. Church, corporate, government, social sector, nonprofit sector, doesn't matter which sector you're in, here are the four questions. I'm gonna give those to you two, three times, so you'll have time to write them down. Question number one is, what to start? Number two, what should we stop? Number three, what should we suspend? And number four, what should we sustain? Number one, what should we start? Number two, what should we stop? Number three, what should we suspend? And number four, what should we sustain? The 30 seconds on each one of them. What should we start? Listen, this is a great time to start stuff. New businesses have started. New employers have started. And I know there's the other side of employment, that the other side of business, but that has not kept entrepreneurs and idea people to start. I started a new magazine called Avail. Uh, I'm sure all the Renaissance members have received the Avail journal with uh, Bishop's picture on the, on the cover. Uh, and they, if they have not, please make sure. I mean, that's a crazy good cover picture. That's the cover sold the magazine. So, so there it is. Uh, so we started, we launched a, a, a magazine called Avail Journal, which you can get free of charge, by the way. Uh, I'm sure uh, Bishop and his team are going to drop that link in there so people can sign up and get it free of charge. Uh, it, I launched a new book that, uh, that Bishop was talking about earlier, and Ephraim is going to talk about it a little later as well, uh, The Sequence to Success. Uh, this came out on April the 7th, on April 7th. Now, you all remember April 7th, right? It is when pandemonium was breaking out and nobody knew anything and 
we were having all the daily news conferences and all that, all that. I launched a magazine and a new book and a study guide and a master class and a webinar all during this time. So don't curl up and die. Can I say this to you? You, are, you might be in lockdown. You might be in lockdown. I'm in Georgia. <laughs> hey, we are open. Uh, this coming Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, no restrictions unless you are 50 or more gathering and so on and so forth. They're all restaurants, everything open. Which is not true in many of the cases that are watching me right now. So, what I chose to do was to say, I know we are in lockdown. In April, we were in lockdown. But my spirit is not in lockdown. My vision is not in lockdown. My imagination is not in lockdown. My relationships are not in lockdown. My opportunities are not in lockdown. In fact, let me pivot here, start a magazine and launch a book, do all that. Both of them doing great. Uh, let me tell you something about the magazine. It was a launch magazine and Bishop will tell you this. We printed about 22,000 copies, all gone. This next one, it grew, it grew. And now we are printing almost 40,000 copies. So what can you start? Number two, what you need to stop. This is my favorite, by the way, this is my favorite. <laughs> there are things in your church that are on life support. Pull the plug. Let it go. Can I tell you a secret, an open secret? Everybody in your company, everybody in your organization, everybody in your church knows what is dead or dying. It is an open secret. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Let it go. Honor it. Respect it. Have a narrative story behind it that we started this. Then it accomplished this purpose. It's not doing that anymore. We honor the leaders. We're going to pivot the leaders into another area. And we're going to take these resources and put them somewhere else. This is what I found. And this is a sad thing I'm about to say to you. And it blows my mind. I see organizations, corporate and church, taking their best resources and aiming them at their weakest link. We take our best people and send it to our weakest area. We take our money, send it to the weakest area. We take our facilities, take it and send it to the weakest area. And we are always trying to resurrect stuff. And we think everything is perpetual and everything is permanent. No, it had a moment. It accomplished the task. Now it's time to move on. So first question is, what do we start? Second question is, what do we stop? Number three is, what do we suspend? So there are items that you don't want to make a decision on right now. You're not sure about that. You don't have enough information on it. You're not feeling it. Whatever it might be, just put it aside. Put it on hold. Put it on ice. Just suspend it. And the reason for suspending it, you want to take it off your brain. You just take it off your list. And number four is what do we sustain or what do we continue? Because once you decide what you're going to sustain, then you're going to put your resources behind it, your attention, your time, your planning, your vision, your money, your people. Once you know what you're going to sustain and what you're going to continue.